This is Continuum Drag, a weekly podcast where we revisit sci-fi, fantasy, and just plain weird shows. This week, Space Rangers, episodes five and six. I just come back from Catraz. Next to Catraz, this is heaven. <laughs> you know how many guys it takes to change a light bulb in Catraz? None. They live in the dark. <laughs> I'm very happy to be here. I'm happy to be anywhere. I heard I was dead. Welcome to Continuum Drag, the podcast that bribes Central with ice diamonds to not lose our jobs. I'm Luke, here with my co-host Jordan. What's real, Jordan? Well, I hurt my back trying to separate two Siamese twins. <laughs> oh my god. Huh? <laughs> I kind of I kind of butchered it. I'm nobody Hackett, but... You know, Buddy Hackett, man, what a what a cameo to get on the yeah. final two episodes of the show. We, we've we've said it before, but uh, I think the casting on the show is probably the strongest point that the show has. Absolutely. Did they completely misuse Buddy Hackett? Also, absolutely. <laughs> also, my theory is um, they got him for a day, and he was like, they either his own mobility issues or based on the schedule, he couldn't really move more than five feet of like. Yeah, you just you move in here. I yeah. also think they made him improv his entire thing. I yeah yeah, because yeah. uh, he seems to be like really swinging in the wind. Like he's just like, uh, you just want me to talk? I I, I like I guess so. Anyway, right, we'll, anyway, we'll we're, gonna talk, to we're gonna talk. We're gonna talk about Buddy Hackett. Before we do though, Jordan, I uh, ha- put together a little game for us about the cast. Great. Um, a little. It's sort of something I believe you originated. Where I'll g- I'll give you some movies. And then some of the cast, and you can try to figure out who had what role. Oh, I, oh, yeah, we've done this before, and I think last time I did quite poor. I think you, I think you were like a fifty percent. I think you were, you were pretty even. Right. So we'll see how it goes this time. I'm going to switch it up a little this time. Okay. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to run through the movies first, and then we'll go cast member to cast member. So I'm okay. going to give you all the movies up front, and uh, you know I'll remind you as you need be. But I hope I've seen these movies. I've tried to pick their most famous roles. Okay. Obviously, from cast member to cast master, that can change quite a bit as to what their most famous roles are. So here we go. We got Solo, a Star Wars story. Right. We got Goldeneye. We got The Friends of Jesus, both Judas and Thomas. There's two movies. One about Judas, one about Thomas. Oh, man. Uh, we got Apollo 13. This is The Friends of Jesus. It, that's, what the, that's the series title. The Friends oh, I of see. Jesus. I see. I thought you were referring to the disciples as just his friends, friends. Just his friends. No, no. This movie series refers to them as <laughs> The Friends of Jesus. Okay. Yeah. Apollo 13, The Fighter by David O. Russell. Right. Planet of the Apes, the uh, remake. Not the most recent one, yeah, the, yeah. the middle one. Yeah. Well, who's that by? Burton. Tim Burton, yeah. Regarding Henry. I liked Regarding Henry. <laughs> and the a television show, Nasty Boys. Oh. Not not the wrestler tag, t- tag team uh, Nasty Boys? Unfortunately for this one particular actor there, I was going through and I, I noticed like, oh, you did a TV show that had two TV movies and like a series and it was called The Nasty Boys? Hmm. It's the cop show though. Oh, Nasty Boys. Okay, sure. All right. I've only seen maybe two of those. Maybe three. So should we start off, of course, with uh, Jeff Kak or Boone? Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, Jeff Kak, his name is? Uh, or Cake. It's two A's. So it feels, it's K. Oh, really? It's K-A-A-K-E. Kake? Kake? I don't know. Let's say Cake. Sure. Wait, so old uh, Johnny Cakes. What's his name? Old Jeffy Cakes. Jeffy Cakes. <laughs> I don't know why that's funny. He did... 
Give me a couple of the, the titles again. I'll go through it. There was uh, Regarding Henry, Planet of the Apes, Nasty Boys, Fighter, Apollo 13, Friends of Jesus, Goldeneye, Solo, Star Wars Story. Uh, I think he was in Regarding Henry. All right. You want to go to the next one? Yeah. Or do you want to know if you're right or wrong? No, let's keep going. All right. Can you keep track of if I'm right or wrong? Yeah. I have They'll a, all be wrong. So I have a pen. Okay. So I will keep track. Put a big check mark next to that one. Yeah. I hope that pen works. Big check mark because uh, you were so right. Um, Marjorie Monahan or Jojo. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think she was in, you know, I'm going to say Apollo. Th- was it Apollo 13? Yeah, Apollo 13. Yeah. I'm going to say that because she seems to have a lot of science fiction on her resume. I know that's not really a science fiction movie, but it goes to space. Oh, interesting. <laughs> so that's my it does, theory. It does go to space. You're right. Yeah. Uh, Carrie Hiroko Horoku Horoki. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, everyone. I apologize to everybody who's listening to this. Uh, Tagawa, Tagawa, fuck, I suck. I know which uh, I know which one it is. Zylon. Zylon, yeah. He was in. I'm gonna say he was in Goldeneye. All right. Now we've got Doc or Jack McGee. Yeah. Um. He was in. Uh, weirdly, I don't think this is true, but I'm gonna guess uh, he was in one of those Jesus movies. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Because I've seen him in stuff before, and I, but none of it was what you've listed. <laughs> I like that your guess is, I don't think it's this one, but I'm going to guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, it be fun. All right. Clint Howard. Yeah. <laughs> he was, he was, oh no, you know yeah. what? I got to make a change because I know he's in Apollo 13. He's got to be in Apollo 13. And who did I say was in that? I don't think you've said anyone's in that one yet. Marjorie, I said, was in Apollo 13. Oh, I thought you said Planet of the Apes, so I'm changing that. Let's put her in Planet of the Apes. All right. Danny Quinn Kincaid or Backman. Oh, like Kincaid him. was he's gotta be nasty boys. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone's a nasty boy. Yeah, it's gotta be Kincaid. Um Gottfried, John, or Wise. Oh. What do I got left? You've got the fighter and solo are the ones you haven't used. Oh, I've I've really butchered this. I'm gonna put him in um uh the fighter, but I don't think I'm gonna get any of these right. And finally, Linda Hunt. Chenault. You can still switch these up. What was or Linda? you can double up. It what was Linda matter. Hunt in? And what do I have left? There's no way Lin- you know what? Sure, Linda Hunt was in solo. I never saw it, but I hope Linda Hunt is in solo. All right, you want to go through it? And yeah, see let's how do you it. did. Mm-hmm. You've got two right. Hey, that's not so bad. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, it's not so bad. All right. Boone, uh Jeff Kick. Yeah. Nasty boys. Oh, that was gonna be my second guess. I mean, he looks like a nasty boy. Yeah. My Mar- Marjorie Monahan, JoJo, mm-hmm. regarding Henry. Oh, I don't go, remember. Go back and watch. Oh, yeah, it. I got to. Ritz Crackers, Carrie, Hiroyuki, Tagawa, probably still not right. Planet of the Apes. Oh man, I'm, I'm really bad. Jack McGee, the Fighter, which if you think oh, about it, oh yeah, makes perfect that's sense. right. I yeah. Clint Howard, Apollo 13, of yeah, course, his brother. You. Yeah. Danny Quinn, Kincaid, he was Jesus. In the Friends of Jesus, really, both movies, really, yeah. I would not. He, I thought he was a nasty boy. <laughs> I mean, maybe he was a nasty Jesus. Oh, well, probably not. Gottfried John Wise, Goldeneye. Mm-hmm. Who, and, did he, who did he play in Goldeneye? I'm not sure actually. He's a general in the movie. General. Um, I, I didn't go to check which general. Hmm. He had a good name, but I don't remember it right now. And finally, Linda Hunt solo a star wars story oh wow that, she, that is fun I, it is she, great it, casting i yeah i never saw it did you see the movie i have and i don't remember her in it really i but i don't remember much play, of the movie she plays a droid or something 
I think she's maybe I think she's like on the cr- the criminal planet where Solo comes up. She might like lead a gang of like little miscreants or something. Could be wrong. She could be a senator. I don't remember. <laughs> well, anyways, that was fun for the whole family. There you go. <laughs> All the people at home were just shouting. Yeah. No, she's in regarding Henry. Yeah. Don't you know you're regarding Henry? You just said you were a fan. I did. I did like it when it came out in 1990. I'm gonna guess 1991. When you were a nine-year-old boy. <laughs> All right, are you ready for the IMDb summary for episode five? To be or not to be? It might as well just say the greatest episode of television. New York Club's episode. <laughs> Washed up old comedian Lenny Hacker crashes on the prison planet Katraz. Doc and Daniel insist they should rescue him, though avoiding General Kincaid's inspection visit may have more than a little to do with it. He's Daniel's father. <laughs> that was courtesy of Jules Taylor. Nice, Jules. Thanks for all the help, Jules. Uh, can I make two quick points on this? Absolutely. There's two things that <laughs> are so indicative of this show, and they're names for things. Uh, the one, Lenny Hacker. Lenny right? Hacker. Lenny Hacker is is a older comedian played, as we mentioned in the beginning, by Buddy Hackett. But you know... <laughs> The writer barely gave an effort. Like, what are we going to call Buddy Hackett? I don't know. Lenny Hacker? Good enough. And it's just it's just so classic. Like, they just couldn't be bothered to come up with anything original. I feel they just put up the cameo call, and this is who they got. And they're like, yeah. great, great. Come up with yeah. a name. And then and then even better than that was Catraz. Because you know that, like, what's the most famous prison in the world? Alcatraz. And you, you could just see them in the writer room. Do we call it Alka? Do we call it Alk? Traz? No, no, no. Katraz, we got it, boys. All right, it's lunch. I mean, you're not wrong. It, yeah. Laziness permeates this episode. <laughs> yeah, and then of all the episodes, like, I know we've had it established at this point. I have a soft spot for this show, and I know it's dumb. And this is maybe one of the laziest episodes. Like, it feels like everyone was an autopilot for a show that might as well be called Autopilot. <laughs> but But it still has some sort of, like, stupid charm to it. Well, I And do- I do like Buddy Hackett. I mean, I it starts off, and I liked this a little bit. It starts off, and we see a little tiny spaceship, and it's adorable. Like, mm-hmm. the little spaceship he's flying on, it looks like it's out of a children's show. It's, it's, it's pretty good design on the show. All the ships have been at least different. They're, it was very cute. It had nice lights on it. I was like, I love this little spaceship. And we hear uh, voices off screen over top of the spaceship. And these are the first two lines, basically. I'm, I'm going to paraphrase a little of the show. But the first line is, the show is canceled. Your kind of humor doesn't go over anymore. And I'm just like... If this show, if you hadn't said this already so many times and that the show has no self-awareness, you would be like, well, the writers know they're getting canceled. But you know these people had no idea. Yeah. But there'll be a few jokes in this about him being canceled. They just keep making the same joke. And I'm just like, you are so dumb. You don't know you're damned. This may not have actually aired. Actually, I want to mention to you, not that it matters too much, but the order we watched it was not the intended order. So on, on the DVD, what I looked up, the, the order of the episodes as compared to what we watched them are one, two, three, five, six, four. So this episode actually is the second last episode still. But I guess the only really one it switched for whatever reason is no, those last three are switched. So one, two, three, five, six, four. Weird. So they would have wanted to put yeah. not the worm one. What was the last episode for? Well, they put a worm up someone's nose last episode. I think that was the first one. No, no, that was it. It was the one where they that put a worm been, up. That would have been the last episode. What a high note. But it is funny that you're mentioning, yeah, the cancellation. Because it does feel like 
you know, there's a little bit of almost that like tongue in cheek arrested development sort of thing. Like we're calling, everyone knows what's happening. We're going to make mention of the show, but it's like, no, they don't know. These people have no idea. I know it it is. It is funny because it's just like in any other show, I would say they knew it was coming, but not this show. No. But yes, we meet Lenny Hacker played by Buddy Hackett. And as you mentioned, he's an old comedian. He's he's chatting it up with his agent and they're talking about kind of how he doesn't do ticket sales anymore because he has a retro comic style. What do you think about his uh, the design of the decorations in the ship? His Andy Warhol knockoffs? Yeah, he's got like Andy Warhol, that sort of famous, um, uh, you know, a uh, silhouette of sorts and then the di- various colors like of it. Like three prints of it in different yeah, colors. But yeah. it's with his head. Well, yeah. And there's like other kind of like Buddy Hackett art around. I mean, it is just like, it is it's just so lazy. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, this is what a star has. Uh, you mentioned that he's talked to his agent. Mm-hmm. That was kind of odd, right? That they're just using what would normally be a sort of like, you'd assume emergency feature or there's a reason to be talking to someone. They're just having like a casual phone call conversation using the technology. Yeah, you just have a call, you call with your agent on your way to your uh, your next show, which yeah. uh, has 12 tickets sold to it. It's going. I like that when he's arguing with his agent, he has that smart that smart ring he's wearing. Yeah, that's right. Where he's just like, you don't think people like my show? Well, check this out. And he pushes a smart ring and a laugh track kicks in. He's like, check this out. Yeah, he had his apparently had his ship rigged to have a laugh track when he needs it. But I didn't understand what how that helped his point. He's like, you don't think I'm funny? Check this out. Can laughs. I think he says this was recorded at one of my shows. And then right. the agent's like, that was 20 years ago, man. Like, that show you're referring to. I like, and it, uh, we'll I just say. I born yet. His age is so young. Buddy, Buddy Hackett. If, if you don't know who Buddy Hackett is, I, I, it's hard to describe. He's just a squat little man. Yeah. And is it the kind of humor that he has. But if there um, was a comedy Lord of the Rings, he'd be a dwarf. <laughs> I think if it was another actor or slash comedian, there might be more of a sense of sadness. Because if you actually the dialogue, it's all like, no one likes you and yeah. you're over the hill. And they always make jokes that he's always dying. But he doesn't deliver anything like that. Like he, his character is sort of like a Gilligan-esque. Yeah. I'm, no matter what happens, I'm just going forward my my money is they went after rodney dangerfield first you could easily see that yeah because it's a little more that like patheticness they wanted and buddy hackett never quite gets there with it no he just he, he seems fine they're like you're gonna die he's like yeah that's right and it's, it's well i mean that's the nonplussed. it's the running joke for the rest of the episode that everyone assumes he's dead like that's how uh, unrelevant he is in the culture right now is like mm-hmm. four or five different people will be like you're gonna go rescue lenny hacker I thought he was dead. But again, because it's Space Rangers, you would think that there's going to be this sort of theme or undercurrent of aging or uh, losing relevance or something. But that's not what this episode's about. They mention it constantly, but they there's mention no, it. It. Has no, it has no relevance to the yeah. plot. Yeah, it doesn't matter at all. Anyways, we digress. He He's flying through Tarno's agent. His ship gets caught up in a micrometeor belt, which uh, punctures a hole in his hull. And uh, because his uh, he hasn't been giving his ship regular maintenance, he never got any warnings. So he ends up crash landing on the prison planet of Katras. <laughs> yeah. It's so and, great when he tries to pilot the ship. He's yeah. like, they give him a joystick and he doesn't even look like he knows how to use it. Yeah, it's great. It, uh, watching Buddy Hack try to fly a ship is a, is a novel piece of casting. <laughs> um, but I should say, what Katras is, is... Kind of like an early Australia, and I, and I, I mean, that, <laughs> I mean, you're I mean not that wrong. in order to be an offensive way, but what it basically is is was originally a large uh, prison slash penal colony like that supermax prison, yeah, yeah, supermax prison that at a certain point, and Luke, Luke, you probably have the details as to why, but basically they went at a certain point, yeah, let the inmates run this thing. They don't have any way off the planet. 
now they have it's not even like a government there's just it's sort of just like lawlessness and everyone yeah they just leave them down there it sort of looks like um uh, a Mad Max sort of thing down there, and it actually looked a little bit like a space boom beyond planet. A lot of fog. That's true. A lot of did. lightning. Yeah, it's because it sound stages, but <laughs> but yeah, it's it's just there's criminals down there. So the basic idea is there's a planet where like the worst go, and they're never going to get off. They're never going to get off. Yeah, I mean, it's just to fill out that question for you is I think the the idea in the premise of the show was the supermax was there, they overloaded it, there's a huge riot, they could never get it back, the riot under control, and so they just like said. Planet's yours. Nobody go back. Yeah. And uh, a point that's not going to be important later is uh, there's a lot of electrical storms and they make communication difficult. Oh, my God. We'll get, we'll get <laughs> I have the exact phrasing of how that said over right. and over again. But we uh, jump back to Fort Hope now where um, they're prepping for an inspection by General Kincaid, previously mentioned Daniel's father, mm-hmm. where uh, Wise is hanging a bunch of banners and he's got a new little comedy sidekick. He's taking out a mothballs. Is he have a comedy sidekick? Did you not notice that Ringer was back? Oh, that's yes, Ringer. Oh, so yes, I think they brought him back. Just like in the next episode, there's another um, cameo guest star, not cameo, but a guest star that comes back. I think one thing this show again noticed is the casting and who was really good. We all mentioned last time. All yeah, three that was, robot Ringer. He was great, and so it's like bring him back. He's great. They don't really give him much to do, but it's sort of like, didn't you love this character? He's still walking around. Yeah, they just give him a couple gags with Wise over the course of the series. There's not much to talk about with him, but I was just like, when I saw him, I'm like, good call, everybody. Make this person a part of the show. Yeah. JoJo is also, um, she's about to take some leave to get off the get off the planet. Although, what that equates to, there's this whole conversation where she's like, I'm going to go and leave. I take my leave very seriously. Mm-hmm. And Kincaid's trying to trade the leave with her because he doesn't want to be there when his dad gets there. And she's like going on and on about how important her leave is to her. And then it just like, you assume she's not going to be in the episode or something or like it's mm-hmm. going to matter in some way because they spent so much time like railing this point. Never comes up again. Yeah. Uh, but that's that's a classic Space Rangers. They do, they'll do a whole scene where you think, oh, they're seeding something. It's like, no, no, no. And it's not even time wasting. It's just they're mentioning something. Just, just because they're just having a conversation yeah. just like two regular people yeah. <laughs> kincaid happens to see he gets a, he gets one of the a personal screen put down at the bar for him the little yeah. plastic green thing and there's a news report talking about lenny hacker crashing on katraz and just like everyone's like too bad eh? no one's coming to get him apparently yeah and they kind of it's like a, a joke of like one no one cares about this guy anymore and two he's crashed in the worst place possible to save him yeah and this is kind of because he's looking for a way off the planet. He's like, hey, we're space rangers. We should go save him. And he walks over and interrupts Doc and Boone. They're like in the middle mm. of the conversation. And Doc is telling, maybe you wrote them down. I could not understand the jokes he was telling at the no, table. No, they weren't. I, I didn't actually bother writing them down because I knew you were going to bring this up. They're not jokes. They're they're the idea that, oh, you've, you've walked into a conversation and you're hearing the punchline, but... They couldn't even bother coming up with stuff. He's just like, yeah, so I ate the sandwich. And you're like, what? Well, that's it. I, like, there's two lines you hear as he approaches. One, he says, and then as he sits down, you hear the next one, and there's a laughter. Those two lines didn't even relate. I was I, it was, I was like, what am I? Because I was like, I'm going to write down this joke. It's obviously going to yeah. be a very bad joke, but it's a comedy episode, so I want to know. And I'm like, these aren't even, these are just two random lines you had an actor yeah. say, and then everyone laughed. They, well, they've really tried to establish that he's sort of like, he's that guy who says whatever he, whatever he thinks, you know? But it's like, but he never actually says anything interesting or funny it's just he just says stuff it's just yeah i mean it's like they wrote placeholder lines like we'll we'll think of something (laughs) and uh i as soon as i saw 
Lenny Hacker on the show. My first net was, well, this is going to be Doc's favorite comedian. And yeah. of course, 100% is. Yeah. We get to find out that um, Doc actually saw him on his honeymoon with his wife, which, tell me more about this wife. Where's this wife been the whole time? Yeah, they, well, and I don't even think, do they ever mention if she's alive or anything? It's just sort of like, yeah, I have a wife. He Like, it's the thing, he doesn't refer to her as an ex-wife. There's none of that. Like, exactly. He, he's just like, yeah, I think my wife married me because I look a little like Lenny Hacker. And he does. A little bit. Uh, for sure. But it was it was kind of bizarre. I mean, it's like, where? I mean, obviously, you're going to love Lenny Hacker. That's clear from okay. your character. But I th- where's this wife? I think I mentioned this before. I think the people writing the show thought, if you just sort of mention things in passing, that's world building. And that's enough of character development and world building and creating any sort of uh, narrative was just, we'll just have people mention stuff. You'd be like, oh, yeah, you know, I used to have glasses when I was a kid. Anyway, back to the ship. You're like, what? And they just, they do this constantly of these non sequitur lines. And that's just another one. So it's like, I just let them flow over me because I was like, well, it doesn't matter. No, nothing anyone says matters <laughs> Although, to the plot evolved. Thinking about it now, the fact that he has a wife, and the fact that now he just keeps trying to get JoJo to like, he is always like hitting on her really. I'm like, he's a bad husband. Yeah. But I guess that's Maybe she's dead. Maybe she's she dead. dead. And, he's, and he's overcompensating. That's true. He's overcompensating. There's no way they thought about that in the show. No way. <laughs> well, moving on, moving on. But did we mention the reason Kincaid really wants to go down to the planet is because his dad is the general. The general's coming for an inspection and he wants to get off the planet. They imply that he has either a bad relationship with his dad or he's worried about being judged or something along those lines. Just that, yeah, he doesn't want to see his dad. We we, we can understand that. As an and the other subplot being Weiss wants to impress him because he's hoping he'll get off the right. off. The, help. Again, doesn't really barely matter. a subplot even yeah. in this episode. But yes, the rest of the team says yes basically because they're like, "Hey, we can see you don't want to be here." And Boone's like, "Let me go talk to Chanel. I'll see if I can get us on this detail." It's it's the prison mm. like whatever the prison department's problem really is, but maybe we can go take care of it for yeah. them. It's very funny because he goes ask Chanel, and she's just like, "A, that's not your job," and B, why would I risk my best Ranger squad, my very best Ranger squad? <laughs> Everyone yeah. else is worse than you somehow <laughs> on going to this planet. Yeah. So many questions about that. Uh, moving on, though. And uh, she looks out her door and sees Kincaid like pouting with yeah. puppy dog eyes outside of her door. She's like, you know what? Go for it. Just go for it, you guys. But I, I like that all the conflict in the show is like this. Because right before this scene, Kincaid goes to Boone and goes, can I? we go on this mission? And Boone goes, no. And he goes, come on. No. Come on. All right. And that was it. And that's essentially then they redo this scene again with Linda Hunt's character. Like, can we do it? No. Can we do it? No. All right. But yes, basically, this gets the mission moving forward. They, they're prepping for launch. We get some like weird bits where Mimmer like, this is what you're talking about. The planet has limited communication. Mm-hmm. And Mimmer's explaining to this to him. And he keeps saying communication will be available sporadically, periodically. <laughs> and then like two minutes later, he's just like, don't forget, it's only available sporadically periodically and i was just like what's going on is he having a seizure <laughs> no let me ask you has he been gone for several episodes doesn't it feel like he hasn't been in it for a while i don't know i think he shows up because i think he's like they put him in like when they need a doctor he shows up or like yeah. they just try to squeeze him in when they like and find two minutes to put him in and this is another thing it's just like tell them about the planet uh where's member yeah <laughs> where's where's clint howard we need him. <laughs> but we also get a few like comedy beats here question mark like when they're loading up to launch Zylan's asking what a comedian is, mm-hmm. and Doc's like, it's someone who makes you laugh, and Zylan's like, oh, so like a priest in my race. I was just like, you're a priest. 
I just didn't understand. Like, I didn't get the joke. I don't understand yeah. what they were going for. Well, it's because they hadn't um, bothered watching previous episodes or looking at the script they were writing to see if there was any uh, consistency in the characters. So whoever wrote this was just like, this is a funny joke. Priests yeah. on this planet are funny. Yeah. Look, we'll, we'll say intended to be the funniest of the episodes. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. You're right. It yes. is intended to be yes. the funniest of the episodes. You're correct. Anyway, jump forward. They arrive at Katraz. After, for some reason, Kinkit has to beg to come on the mission. He's just, like, begging to come. And just like all the earlier scenes, Boone's like, no, 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 okay, come yeah. on, let's go down. They take the parachutes down. It's Boone. It's Doc. It's Zylan. It's Kincaid. JoJo's staying on the plane, right where she needs to be. Yeah. But uh, how was the um, uh, communication on the planet? Uh, it was sporadic, periodically. <laughs> <laughs> I really like that. They, they sort of wander this prison planet. They find... Can you explain to me, did they call those things, they find some corpses tied to basically what looks like crosses, and they call them roots? Yeah, they did say they're roots. I thought... I thought we were going to see there were plants or something, but they just seem yes. to be crosses. No, I know. I think the intention was... Or like a medieval torture device or something. Something like that, like they put them in, and I thought like roots would grow around them as like a slow torch or something, because they did say that. But then you see, yeah, I think it might just be that the actual props that they used just look terrible so it didn't get the idea across right right i mean all we really know is like they see there's like some corpses from rangers tied to it already which is very funny that rangers never go pick up their dead i guess yeah also i like that it's just skeletons wearing 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 the uniforms but the uniforms look great and uh i like at some point a prisoner will talk about roots and then we like we tie them to the roots and we leave them for the half braids (laughs) i missed that line i was like what does that mean (laughs) Oh. But at any rate, uh, Boone, and, Boone and Doc feel bad about these dead rangers, so they, they're going to stay behind and bury them on the planet. Well, Zylan and Kincaid go off and uh, find Buddy Hacker, which takes no effort. They find him immediately. Like there's no, there's, yeah. there's no, there's no obstacles in the episode. Yeah, it's it's like they land far away from him on a planet, run filled by, with pri- prisoners. Yeah, that are that are itching to to murder and get off the planet. Clearly hate rangers, and they're like, how do we get over there? And there he is. Yeah, there he is. There's in fact Zylan and Kincaid get over there. There's a little chit chat with Buddy. Jojo calls down, and because the communication is radically, periodically <laughs> working, she calls down and she can't get hold of Boone, but there's like life forms coming toward him. This is where they're attacked by a group of prisoners who are like trying to find the ship and like get off the planet themselves. What what did you think of this uh this team of dreadnoughts here? I mean, they barely like two of them were silent. Yeah. And then there was like a lady and ball cap. And ball cap. And they were like supposed to be like a uh, Thelma and Louise, I guess. She really gave it. She did her best. She did her best. I don't think I agree with the acting choices she made um, to be a silent uh, actress kind of flailing about. However, I don't blame her. I blame the material. Um, but yeah, it's weird because they don't give these characters any time. They could have been a silent threat. They could have just been like something in the yeah. fog they were fighting against. But instead they just have them come up and they kind of chew scenery for maybe two or three scenes and then... Well, it's funny because they you don't even see the original firefight. They start shooting at Boone and Doc off screen and you're like, uh-oh, they're going to capture Boone and Doc and then you just cut back to the ship and Boone and Doc arrive at the ship and like, oh, I got shot in my arm. Yeah. Then they're out there and you're like, okay, now they're going to have to defend. It's going to be like uh, Assault on Precinct whatever, 19, what's it called? That uh, John Carpenter movie? Yeah, Sultan. I can't remember what it's called. Whatever. A number. So I'm like, okay, this is where it's going now. But the prisoners just like are like, oh, they're on that ship now. Let's go find their para, their para, what do they call them? The paragliders, their para jets they come down in. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what they're called though. And so that like, there's no threat there because they go to the paragliders and they're like, 
okay, we need to get these because there's a ranger slingshot up there, slingship up there. It's full of proton missiles. Let's just get up there, but they don't know the docking codes. And as old Bald Cap says when he figures out, he's, around, <laughs> he's like, oh, belly snappers. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They did call them belly snappers. I wrote that down. And they're just like, well, let's just wait here till they come back and then we'll get them. It's just like everyone is so like, so lackadaisical about their plans. Oh, can I mention one thing? I don't think we've ever mentioned in the three podcasts we've done now. All of the weapons in this show they're guns with bullets. Yeah. See, oh, yeah. They're like they're not laser guns. guns yeah. yeah. And and you would think in this show there is a real uh, sense of danger because they're shooting guns, but it really just comes off like GI Joe. Like, yeah. I mean, it because everyone just fires wildly. Even even Boone, who's been shot and is injured on the ship, like his wound seems like nothing. nothing it's barely yeah. superficial. Now he doesn't even seem to be all that injured by it. But this has basically set them up where. These guys are waiting by the parajets. Para the uh, rangers have to leave to get Buddy Hackett back the, back to the jets to get off the planet. They're like, but oh no, a storm is blowing in. And then they're like, okay, it's gone. <laughs> like there's like five minutes where they're like waiting the storm to blow. I and I was like, okay, this is where something's going to happen. He's like, no, it's fine. So Boone, Doc, and Zylan walk back to the ships, get captured immediately, get tied to the roots and are like tortured for like tortured. They're like Three seconds. Slapped around a little to get these do these codes. Kincaid had to stay behind because he had to help Buddy Hackett carry his luggage. Yeah, and then there's more time given to Buddy Hackett and Kincaid having a discussion about how Kincaid does not want to carry the luggage and Buddy Hackett would like him to carry the luggage. That There's at least two scenes of that. There's more scenes than they develop the villains that are supposed to be uh, the scary thing that were all yeah. the scary obstacle. I mean, they really like they really want to drive home that what's in the luggage are all his memories. He has to remember the time that uh, the Bosch of Marina put him in a castle with a live goat <laughs> well again there's almost an attempt at something being sort of sweet and wistful but they don't they don't know what to do with they it they don't do you know don't do it at all anyway Kincaid and Hacker they show up at the scene they they see they've been captured and Kincaid calls up to Jojo and she's like Jojo they're trapped you need to help me so Jojo gets on the mic and calls back to Fort Hope where the uh, inspection by General Kincaid's going on which is the first inspection in five years that's mm -hmm. happened at Fort Hope. Yeah. Oh, and can I mention, did, you, did you, the line he said why he was coming to inspect is he said he didn't like the status of the cost reports. Yeah, he did not like that. <laughs> he did not like the look of cost reports. Not for him. Not for him, no. In fact, he's going to have to shut down some forts. Could be this one. Might not be. Depends on the cost reports. <laughs> anyway, we come to learn over the course of these little flashes back to Fort Hope that there's some bad blood between Chenault and him over like how she doesn't run the fort by the book yeah and which now let me ask you you're probably pay more attention than i do on these episodes because i'm just having a good time i'm on for the roller coaster that is space rangers um first he says he doesn't like the the cost reports then then he then they quite explicitly say he doesn't actually like linda hunt and he's using that as an excuse and they have some bad blood because she doesn't yeah like he doesn't run things by the book she's letting these renegade rangers go around. but like have we seen that at all they're would, always talking. They always seem to be filling out their overtime paperwork and everything. I would argue they don't even do that within this episode because at the beginning of the episode, when she sends them off to like prison planet, Kincaid's like, "Well, what are you going to tell my dad?" He's like, "She's like, I oh, don't worry about it. Like, I'll just tell him you had to go." Like, she says it like it's like not a big deal, even though she should know there's so mm -hmm. much bad blood going to be tough. And even when he shows up, they're getting along like gangbusters. When they're going for that walk down, and he's looking at all the banners. They're making fun of the banners together. They seem like they're good friends until this scene until halfway through the episode we're suddenly like oh wait you you don't like e each other 
you you seem to like each other earlier. Honestly, this show is so odd. It's as if they just start filming and then making the script as they go. And then halfway through, they're like, does that work? Just keep going. Just keep going. Just keep going. Don't stop. Don't yeah. stop. Anyway, Jojo is asking permission to land on the planet to rescue them. Chanel's just like, no way. I can't afford to risk losing that ship. It's got proton missiles. We can't lose those. It's very she, important. She says... Even if it's the best rangers I have. Even if those are the best rangers I have, which they are. Yeah. Clearly, they're the best. Three of them <laughs> easily got captured. No problem. They couldn't even get a comedian off the planet. Yeah. And then General's obviously very unhappy because his son's down there and he wants his son rescued. Mm-hmm. So he turns to uh, Old Wise, who the show keeps trying to imply to us there's some sort of rivalry between her and Shalnod, but like, there doesn't, like, not for Wise. Wise, doesn't, no. Wise seems to be like on her side every single time. Mm-hmm. But he's like, I'll give you the order and you do it wise. And he's like, no, no, I'll, I'll, she's right. No, no. And so he just, and he's a, he's a general. He just storms up. But can't he just force the point? I know. That was odd. He's sort of like, no one's listening to him or the two of them are so he they just. They say just, no. So he pouts and he walks away. Yeah. I'm like, well, well, that's. I'm like, you have seniority here. Just make make someone else. Do. I don't know. Like, it was so crazy. So I kind of thought that's what he's going to order her to land. And there's going to be some kerfuffle after that. But mm-hmm. she just like walks away like a child. Yeah, and so the guy, the the team is left on their own on the planet. So Kincaid has to come up with a plan, and what a plan! What a plan he comes up with! Yeah, he essentially hands Buddy Hackett a, a handgun to basically walk in there and cause a distraction. Which I like. Buddy Hackett's like, oh, I usually only use a gun that shoots a flag out the front that says "boom." <laughs> I was like, glad that joke's like continued yeah. into the future. But you laugh, it works. Well, he does walk out there. He walks out there with his gun. He points at the guy. And they do what I have to say is one of my least favorite things I see in TV, which is a person who's not confident with a weapon and the person they're pointing the gun at, they go, you have the safety on. And they go, and they look at the safety. And then, of course, they didn't have it on. They got fooled. Like, how many times have you seen that in television? I mean, look, there's many things to criticize in this TV show. So why? pick that one thing but it's like guys this is so dumb i mean it's it's all a mood point because really Kincaid just needed that few seconds to circle behind them and now he's behind all the bad guys he's got his gun and i guess like you're saying with gi joe he shoots his gun at the woman with the holding her gun and he shoots it out of her hand somehow i couldn't figure out what happened i thought he shot her in the chest well it was so weird the machine gun fire is erratic at best like it's everywhere like he's firing off like thousands of bullets a second would it be funny if he just like he just sprayed everyone with bullets and was like oh oh geez what did i do i'm gonna get off this plane <laughs> just everyone's dead nope just perfectly what a crack shot shot it right out of her hand yeah anyway they free their compatriots they're like well we're leaving now see you later prisoners uh, though i did have a question and they briefly mentioned it but they never answered the question like there's four parajets which fit four people. But now there are five of them, including Buddy Hacker, L- Lenny Hacker, and his luggage. I'm like, how did they get all the way off the planet? I assume he shared with Kincaid. <laughs> they just squeezed him in. They just squeezed him in. I was really like, I mean, I know it's a small point, but I was I, I was curious. And half of the episode they mentioned, they're like, well, we brought four of them because we need one to get to... Uh, that's why they lie to the prisoners. They're mm. like, that's why there's four, not because there's another ranger, but because we need the one to get the comedian off the planet. And I'm just like, well, it just raises more questions. <laughs> anyway, not important. I, I will rest that case. I can move on past it. They return to Fort Hope. And I have a question for you because they've been saying how he's like not loved anymore. He's not a beloved comedian anymore. And while they're on the planet and he's talking to Doc about like his life and his things mm-hmm. going on. And he's just like getting all sad. He's like, well, Doc, nobody loves me anymore. Nobody laughs at my jokes. 
And Doc turns to Boone. He's just like, I think we got to do something about this. And he gives him a wink like he's got a plan. Mm-hmm. Was this his plan? Based on how the episode ends, the answer must be yes. But they basically arrive back from the mission, basically. Like they've yeah. just returned, just rescued it. And like they're coming off the dock and the door's open. It's like the end of Star Wars. And a crowd has gathered around the, the, the loading bay. The wherever, loading bay. Yeah. And he, Buddy Hackett walks out and is forced to improvise jokes for this crowd. Yeah, and they like started a little quiet, but then like he starts razzing people and he's making observations and they're loving it. Well, I love his joke. He's just like, oh, it's great to be here, but you know where I just was? And they're all like, oh my God, he was yeah. like a trash. This is so funny. And yeah, you're right. He like walks by a guy who's either an alien or disfigured. <laughs> and he just starts <laughs> he must making fun of him yeah. nonstop. Although, and the, uh, like, again, he really I, wouldn't put it pa- I wouldn't put it past Space Rangers if he was just a guy that had some sort of unfortunate disfiguration. Well, that, I mean, he's <laughs> probably an alien, but it's just the makeup effect is so subtle that I'm just like, is... I just was like, I don't know if this guy's an alien. He could just be a man who had an but injury. the guy knows how to take a joke because he loves getting around. Oh, he, he's loving it. He's laughing it up. <laughs> In fact, he moves on. He makes fun of the general a little bit. The general's loving it. Yeah. What, is, what does he say? Like... The only time you see the general at the front is when he's cashing his paycheck. I'm just like, what are you talking about? <laughs> these are, Luke, these are great top, one-liners. Top-notch jokes. Top-notch he's, jokes. He's just killing it. He's just <laughs> killing it. The general has a little combo with his son, Kincaid, about how proud he is of him. Like, that whole yeah. storyline wraps up in, like... Which they didn't see it at all. Well, it, it is just, like, the lazy. It's just like, oh, you, you he's proud of you. I'm like, cool. I'm glad we... I'm glad this is what that was about. <laughs> and the whole thing, this, this also minor subplot, the idea that Wise... For the first time that's been mentioned is that like, I think we could kind of assume he doesn't want to be there. But they never really set timelines or anything. No, they mentioned it briefly in the very first episode. Yeah. That that he's there somewhat against his will as a some sort of punishment for something vague. Exactly. We don't know why, but he's there and he doesn't really want to be there. But you're right. For the next five episodes. It hasn't he, come up. It hasn't come up. I mean, he seems fine. But Chanel's just like, thanks for having me back back there with the general. I'm going to write a letter for you telling them to take you off the station right now. You can go back to your life. And then the general walks by and he's like, hey, great work out there. I'm going to make sure you stay here forever. What a gag. What a gag, yeah. And uh, and then they give that look like, can you believe my luck? Wah, wah. Yeah. And uh, that's the comedy episode. That's the f- funniest comedy episode. Did you happen to see who it was written by? I did not. I'm going to, can I, I know, I think the last one was written by old Panny Baker, whatever his name is that did the show. But this one, I don't know who wrote it. Well, the name of the writer of the show was Jess Human. <laughs> Is that right? Yep. Uh, only thing they've ever written on IMDb. Ah. Definitely not a real person. <laughs> Sorry, it was Jess Human, you said. Jess Human. That's good. I, I saw that and I'm just like, oh, this is someone who did not want to be associated with the show in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> do, you, do you think it's uh, um, like uh, another of Shatner's children? <laughs> like, like a bastard child that... Uh, he doesn't even get the Shatter name. Oh, they, I mean, they would take the they would take the uh, they would take the credit. Though. Yeah. This is some poor jobber who's just right. like, oh god, what a nightmare! <laughs> All right, you want to move on to the final yeah, episode the of final Space episode. Rangers? Oh, it's so sad. It's wistful, sort of like looking back at the career of uh, Lenny Hackett or Hacker. <laughs> Lenny Hacker. Lenny Hacker. Here's the IMDb summary for episode six: The Trial. The frontier isn't any different than life back on Earth. When you find friends you can trust, you stick by them no matter what. Because sometimes when things are tough, friends are all you've got. Isigal frames Zylan for the murder of the Graca Carlot. 
given overall human anti-Garaka sentiment, no one will testify on his behalf. Can Boone prove Zylon's innocence before he does the honorable thing and commits suicide? <laughs> That's by uh, Tulu. What's the person? No, name? this one didn't have a credit. Oh, no First one, time. No one took it. It has his similar writing style, though, so I feel like it was still him. But he didn't, right. cre- he didn't take the credit on this one. Right. <laughs> Is the episode that bad? He just was like, I don't know. I don't he, know he, not even he know. wants to know that he knew the uh, synopsis for it. It starts off with our ranger pals. Our ranger pals. Fowls? Pals. 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 The, our ranger pals, they're on a stakeout yeah, in they're Fort Hope. Yeah, there's a guy, and he's all cloaked, and he's mysterious, and he's going through the hallways, and they're all, and what you get is a lot of that sort of like um, spy thing where they're all, you know, they're all on uh, short circuit, um, and uh, and they're like, oh, and, and I like that, um, what's her face, um, JoJo. What her her undercover has to be is is making it with Kincaid. Well, I don't even know if that was on purpose. Like, well, her the, and Kincaid the, are in a in a hallway, and when they get a guy gets too close, Kincaid seems to grab her and force himself on her. Yeah, because she doesn't seem to like it. No, she pushes him away very quickly. <laughs> also, since when is it their job to do stakeouts? It, I mean, why not? I, one of them is a pilot. <laughs> why not? <laughs> one of them is an engineer. <laughs> But basically, they're trying to catch this guy, Carlot, for some reason, and he's yeah, he's they a do. Garaka assassin who's been working for Isagul, and I, I guess they've been—I don't know—we clearly are coming median res on this because it's just like, oh, what a what a twisted web was taken to get us but, here. But here's the weird thing about—I mean, I don't know enough maybe about stakeouts, but they're doing one and they're waiting for him so they can grab. Him. They could have grabbed him at any time. They didn't Absolutely. like do anything. They didn't have to catch him doing anything. So why even watch him? They walk- weren't watching, waiting for him to do a crime. No, they could have just grabbed him at any moment. Yeah. It was right. very easy to do once they did. Yeah. And there's a little bit of uh, tension between Xylon and this Carlot because Xylon does not approve of a criminal Garaka mm-hmm. because of their history with rage. They should be only good, not mm-hmm. evil. And that is, I guess, going to be the premise of the episode. Sort of? More or less, I think. More or less. Um, Isigal, in the meantime, gets called into a meeting with Wise, Chenault, and the mustachioed prosecutor, Murdoch. And I have to say, I really like this actor in this role. I like this character, and I like the way he looks. I think he's it's almost good enough to be on a better science fiction show, his character. Absolutely. I mean, this is, this is kind of the thing. This is what I keep leaning on. I'm just like, special prosecutor who's investigating crime syndicates. I'm like, maybe... A Law and Order version of the show would be an interesting show. Yeah, maybe. It, I, maybe not with these writers, but it's just like they're trying to apply it some sort of like the universe is a little seedier, but there is a government, but it's like barely holding on. Because like this whole idea of like it's a special prosecutor is here to investigate the criminal organization of Isagul who we can't break. Do you think Port Hope is supposed to be seedy? Because I think they've implied it a couple times. It doesn't really look like a... It doesn't look like there's a high crime there. They've implied there's crime lords you can't touch on. But, like, you don't actually see that I think anywhere. the problem is the only thing we really see is kind of Command Central, where Chenault works, and the bar. Like, we've never seen where yeah. people live. We've never seen anyone's residence. Right. The dock we, we've barely seen. We do get, um, then this is the first time in this episode yes. later on, we get, a, a, like, a sort of skyline view. It is hard not to notice, and it doesn't really matter, so we'll just talk about it now. They go outside for the first time, Mm -hmm. which is, I remember when Courtney was on, I noticed she was saying it, and I've said it a few times, you keep calling it a ship because we only ever see interiors. And it's the first time we've ever gone outside and seen them just hanging out. And I'm just like, that's right. You guys don't have to be inside. You're on a planet that I guess sustains your life. Birds everywhere. Just tweeting birds 
everywhere in that mm-hmm. scene. The planet doesn't look... It looks It looks interesting. nice. Yeah. yeah, so it's like it is an odd choice that they've decided, no, it has to be in this gray steel uh, building all the time. Yeah, it takes it like, to episode six for them to be like, oh, maybe we should do a scene outside. <laughs> be nice in the sun. That's weird. There's not even windows in the Fort Hope that we've built. So so what we get is there's these two major people. You got your your prosecutor with a mustache, and you got Isigal, who's the, the guy they're trying to frame. Crime Lord. A, crime Lord. He's our tech Lord. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he is a tech Lord. Basically. If we're going to refer to the one thing we know. Yeah, he's a tech lord. Anyway, um, sorry. God, I was really off topic there. Isagol's like interested. He's like, oh, nice to meet you. And they're like, we're here to kind of take you down. Like they're very upfront with him. They're like, mm-hmm. we're on to you. We've actually caught Carlot. We're going to take you down now. He loves it though. Oh, well, he's, he's super antagonistic. He's not just antagonistic. He finds it a sensual pleasure and so delicious to be suspected. <laughs> He's, I tell you, he's great. He's got long fingers, long, sharp fingernails. He's always touching people's faces. I will say, this is one thing that's coming back from that first episode. When Xylan described his race, he said they love to be suspected. It was one of the key traits. <laughs> right. And right here, he comes in, he's just like, oh, it's just delicious to be suspected. <laughs> and I'm just like, well, I guess that's true. They, apparently, it's accurate. Yeah. Anyway. Um, do, do you do you refer to things as delicious a lot when you're not speaking about food? Oh, yeah, all the time. <laughs> Oh, what a delicious episode of Lost that was. (laughs) Anyway, um, he kind of like razzes them a little bit, though. He's just like, yeah, you're only after me because it's an election year and you need to get elected to special prosecutor again or something. Yeah, they keep mentioning elections, but I was like, what what are you talking about? What does that have to do with anything? It is. I I think this is to your point. These throwaway lines, they think, build out the universe, but like don't like just raise more questions than they answer and not in a fun way. Right. While he's in this little meeting where they're telling him they're going to arrest him, he's just like, hey, as long as I'm here, though, I'm going to pay Carlotte's bail. Not for criminal reasons, purely compassionately, because as we've barely mentioned up till now, everybody's racist against Garakas. Yeah, and they really push it in this episode. And look, this show did not have a long uh, gestation or a long life here, but we've gone through five episodes. I don't think it's ever come up before. I'm trying to think back to the first episode. I, I feel like in the first episode, someone mentioned that it was weird that a Garaka was on the ship, but never to the extent where we're just supposed to now assume they are hated as second-class citizens. And they really try to push it this episode, at least in two scenes. It's true. And it's kind of wild, too, because it's just like there's so many aliens around. It's just like it's hard to imagine one of them would be singled out so specifically. Right. Carlet gets bailed out, and we cut to a scene where Zylan's like, hey, you asked me to meet you in this dark corridor so we could discuss your criminal ways and how i don't think they're right and uh it's all a setup for poor xylon because Kyrlot is setting him up with isical mm-hmm. it was so weird well basically you get a um a cross and then a double cross here because xylon is confronting the guy he gets shot shot with a dart a little blow dart a little blow dart knocks him out and i think they mentioned like for, which doesn't matter at all they're like oh that's only gonna work for so long that's yeah it's like, very it's quick like, it's like oh is it, he's gonna wake up it's like no no it doesn't matter we just threw that line in but then when you think uh what's the other um Graco's carlot name? carlot you think oh he's he's gonna be fine he's now in charge um isigal literally backstabs him and kills him yeah and basically after carlot's dead isigal puts the knife in Zylan's hand it's all it's all a big frame up basically yeah which is i mean we'll get into it this is the, a very complicated plot on isigal's well, part i actually don't did has there ever been a history of why he's so against Xylon? Well, I think we'll get into it as we go, but it becomes clear of the episode 
that it's not specifically against Xylon. There's like a larger game at play. It's not a good game, but he seems to be playing a larger weird game in this episode. Yeah, I didn't understand it either. And I thought, okay, he seems to know what he's doing. Yeah, I mean, it, I guess it works out for him more or less. I don't know. But we, we after, so... Fade to black. Yeah, fade to black. And we come back and Xylon is just tearing the place apart he's, he's hulking out <laughs> he is truly hulking out finally he's tearing stuff off the walls he's going crazy yeah. he's throwing the very light uh set pieces just <laughs> just they're flying he's like blacked out and gone to a blind rage he only really stops being in this blackout when uh, boone finally shows up and like slides his suppressor yoke back around his neck to calm him down and uh since he remembers nothing he can't claim innocence he's just like i might have killed him i have no idea my race loves to kill could have yeah. been me yeah and uh he's a little worried because Having done such a violent crime against someone who didn't deserve it, he uh, he ought to kill himself out of disgrace. Yeah, I think this is the first time this has come up. There's clearly some sort of like uh, samurai honor system they're going that for. That is what they're going for. Uh, sure. After this first threat of just like killing himself, it really doesn't come up again. Like he's very easily talked out of it by Boone. It's like, just don't. And he's like, all right, I'll wait. Yeah, I'll wait. I can wait. I can wait. Like, I mean, I don't have to do it now. It couldn't be any time. Like, <laughs> now, a hundred years from now. <laughs> exactly. Still works. Yeah. Why did that guy kill himself? Oh, you know what? 200 years ago, he did something he was very embarrassed about. Very. He's so embarrassed about it. <laughs> so he's arrested. Chenault demands that the trial of Xylon happen on Fort Hope, which is weird because the process of prosecutor's like, that's very unusual and not really your place to decide. Mm-hmm. And she's like, it's happening here. And he's like, all right, fine. I give but, up. But that's your Space Ranger argument where you just go, the argument is not an argument. And then she's just like, by the way, part of my job here is the commander of the station. I'm also the judge. Yeah. But because she's honorable, she gives up judging duties and makes Wise the judge instead. Now, is Wise or Wise, whatever his name is, is he any less compromised by his relationship with the Rangers? It doesn't make any sense. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. It's like, I guess you're less... I think it's because... Everyone around him says, you're a jerk. So we're supposed to assume they like he hates them back. There's been no evidence of that. He yeah. seems to actually quite like all of them. Also, they, they go, oh, and by the way, Weiss, you're a lawyer. And I was like... Yeah, he used he, to be a lawyer, so he, he could be, be a, a lawyer. Judge. Oh, okay. It, it is wild. And the, uh, the gang, of course, then goes ahead and they're like, we got to put our pensions together mm-hmm. and hire a lawyer for Zylon. Mm-hmm. And this is where we kind of uh, see rich kid Kincaid throw his money around. Yeah. And Doc has a bag of ice diamonds he dumps on a table. I thought at first they said rice diamonds, which I liked better, but it unfortunately was ice diamonds. It was ice diamonds. They're just little cubes. They look like dice or something. But uh, essentially, they put all this money together, but no lawyer in the galaxy will take the case because everyone hates Karaka. And and they have this whole scene here where they they introduce a new character. You think it's going to be this lawyer. I was sure it was going to be a character, but... No, she literally comes and goes, hey, just so you guys know, I can't be your lawyer. And they go, why? And she goes, you got, you know everyone hates Gracchus. And they go, oh, that sucks. And she's like, all right, see you guys later. This, and they've already made that comment like three times. Well, and this scene has, because it didn't last very long, kind of moved on. But like there's this one weird bit because she comes out and she's like, I can't do it. You understand why? Like I can't risk my reputation mm-hmm. on a person like this. And Boone says to her, he's like, well, you of anyone should understand prejudice. I can't believe you're not going to do this. Because she's black? I think that's what he was playing, yeah. It was the weirdest thing where they like, I was just like, you guys, this is not a, con- I, what are you doing? What is the comment you're making here? It doesn't matter because. Yeah, she doesn't take the case. She doesn't take the case. And she's not a character. 
it just, it just leaves wild scene it was like i was just like i thought this was all set like it's like everything in the show you're just like it seems like they're setting something up here yeah it's nothing you would almost think that they'd either just do it off camera like all the lawyers won't take the case done we've moved on no. or they would have a series of this to try to really show like a montage or something yes yeah. the arduous journey they're going for but they sort of go you know what we're gonna do in the middle and confuse everyone we're gonna introduce we're giving a speaking part to a person to come in who looks like they're going to, like, it was insane. Well, at some point, too, they're like, well, why'd you fly all the way across the galaxy? Then she's like, just to tell you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was weird. Yeah, it's like, they, they do enough, like, that's it's weird that she's here, right? Well, just say that she's she's fine with flying across the galaxy. She just wanted to tell us. Yeah. Anyway. But, a, but what happens now? It's a good thing yeah. that Boone took three months of law school to become a captain. Although, from what we see, I think he was slacking off in class. Well, it's funny because Doc will also become his co-counsel for some reason. He mm-hmm. doesn't have any lawyer skills, but also seems to be a better lawyer than Yeah, that's true. But it, like the idea is just like you get to this point, they're like, we can't hire a lawyer. We'll be our own lawyers. I'm like, this is like the start of a Always Sunny in Philadelphia episode. This is what this is like. This is like yeah. such a bad idea. Like, the two dummies are going to be your like counsel. This is an episode of a show that's funny, but you're not a show that's funny. It's also weird because it's a plot line that either this should be the main plot line of the episode that Boone has to defend a friend and he's not confident in his legal skills. Okay, that's an episode. But that's not really what this is. We're ha- we're more than halfway into this episode and they just go, "Oh yeah, Boone's going to do it. Why?" Well, he hasn't done anything this episode. And to be fair, he's barely been in this episode at this point. So, you know, they were like, "We got to use this guy. We got to get him in there." So, I don't know, he's the lawyer. And we finally cut to the courtroom, which is just the regular office space. Did you notice there are people just doing their regular office work in yeah, the middle that, of court? Was that right? Yeah. yeah. I was just like, you're having court in the middle of a functioning command center. Well, you know what? If they just stopped working, those cost reports would be Oh, yeah. You got to keep, keep going. What I did like, though, is we will see over this course, I mentioned earlier, Doc is a better and more professional lawyer than Boone is. Mm-hmm. And did you think he got a haircut for a second? <laughs> I did. I, he just combed his hair. He just put his hair in a ponytail, but he looked good. I was uh, just like, when you clean up, Doc... You're a handsome man. Is it here or is it later? And I'm sorry to ruin this. Did you hear the thing that the uh, the people were chanting at one point in court? No, what was it? When they walk by uh, the hall, I think it's at the beginning of the court. Right, because they bring Xylon in. They bring Xylon in and people. And uh, one of the guys uh, yells out. <laughs> and it's my favorite line maybe of, of the entire show. So people are chanting, you know, like, hell no, we won't go. Whatever they're chanting. And one guy goes, it isn't bigotry if it's true. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. And I was like, what? Okay. Right, right. I think JoJo stopped him and said, why are you yelling that at my friend? Yeah. He's like, well, it's not bigotry, it's true. It's fine. Then. And, and they're all like, okay, move on. Yeah, it's like, that's the thing. Is There's like all these people yelling at Zylon for being Garaka. They never come back to it. No one's ever reprimanded for their belief system. They're just like, yeah, then yeah. that's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess. And but But here comes the great legal show we've all wanted it to be. Finally, it's happening. Oh God! It was so close for me. <laughs> Boone Boone pleads for for Zylon since Zylon won't speak at his own behalf, and Boone's plea is, "It's all a frame up, you guys." Like I'm like, it's not a plea. You can't just yell, "It's all a frame up," and you have no evidence. Like, he's done yeah. no. Ev- well, th- here's an interesting. <laughs> Let me ask you your opinion on this, Luke. So, someone is accused of murder. Mm-hmm. He's charged with said murder. There's a court case. They say it's going to happen. He and uh, Boone, his friends, is going to be a lawyer. Did this case happen five minutes after this decision was made? Because they give no indication that any research was There's given. Been no There's no investigation. No investigation. So, like, while Boone is clearly stupid and he doesn't know what he's doing, they have 
acted as if it's literally happening that afternoon. The case. I mean, they let Boone be his lawyer, so it's quite clearly a kangaroo court. Yeah. And I mean, to your point here, the first person they put on the stand is Mimmer. Yeah, that's right. And did you catch the thing he says why he's on the stand? No. What did you say? He is there because he did the autopsy three minutes after death. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And, th- and the whole point of that is, so he did the autopsy three minutes after death. So, and, the, and the lawyer's like, so there's no way they moved this body. And it was a frame up like he's trying to say, right? And he's like, no, I guess it couldn't be a frame up. And he's like, case closed. Case closed. <laughs> like, I want it like, what is that? It's 180 seconds passed between he got stabbed and they showed up and did an and Mimmer like must yeah. have just walked into the room and like oh discovered think, the body. I think Mimmer was in the room. <laughs> he was. He, he just was didn't watching. Ha- he just didn't have those tiny little glasses on, so we couldn't oh, no, see. He anything. was watching. <laughs> he was. Uh, he was jerking it. <laughs> oh jeez. <laughs> he lo- he's loving every second of it. So he wasn't just in that sort of uh, <laughs> that primordial sort of uh, ooh place that was just. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's part of it. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's part of what you know gets him off. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. They talk about how he's a his specialty is alien life forms and kind of like how he should know about Garaka and their tempers. And there's this argument about some sort of paper that Central's written about the Garaka problem. There's like the, all this weird seeding of like some mm-hmm. sort of like bias against Garaka. But it is weird. Like they start, start yelling about how it's not supported by science. And it's I don't know what like I guess they're just one guy's trying to use it to like say Garakas are going to kill people because they're always violent. And then they're saying you don't know them. You've never really worked with them. But I love that they didn't give any. Uh, time to explain what this document or book is that they're they're quoting We're quoting no it's just like he has a book and they're like we don't agree with that book but wh- what are they talking about yeah it, it's so weird i mean he's basically trying to get basically member to say it's like could a garaka kill someone even with the yoke on and he's like sure probably i mean it could happen but what he gets him to admit is that the caller minimizes emotions and makes them manageable it doesn't erase emotions so Thus, he could have still been angry and done something like that. And of course, this is this is the time where uh, Boone, as a lawyer, needs to step in because what's happening isn't isn't right for his client. And unfortunately, he doesn't know how to object, so he kind of stands up and says, uh, you, "You can't say that." And Doc has to step in. And he's like, "You're telling me he's leading the witness. Tell, tell him that, Boone." And Boone's like, "Uh, leading witness." <laughs> like Boone yeah. is dumber than he's ever been. In this yeah, episode. he really is. Like Doc is. Far smarter than this episode. Also, couldn't Boone shave for court? That's what I mean. Doc looks great. Yeah. Doc put his hair back in that ponytail. He looks professional. He looks like a he's yeah. there to do work. I know. Boone didn't even shave. The Boone's like wearing a, like a three-day-old jumpsuit <laughs> covered in stains. It's one of the jumpsuits he found off those uh, those dead skeletons on the last episode. He's like, oh, I'm going to have a second, <laughs> second outfit now. Anyway, so just like any court case, after your first witness, you kind of just take a break. And go hang out, just like take a At walk a bar. around the bar, go whatever you want. Like, Chanel will have that pep talk outside with Boone, and then she'll go have a pep talk with Zylan in his prison and be like, hey, Zylan, I know you don't want to testify on your own behalf, but do it for your old pal, Chanel. And he's like, all right. Yeah, all if, right. if there's an argument in Space Rangers, you know how it's going to go. <laughs> just just do it. Come on. Come on. Come on. Also, uh, Kincaid bumps into Murdoch as he's, as he's kind of walking around. He's like, hey, Murdoch, it's me. General Kincaid's son, we're good friends. And he's like, yes. Yes, we are, we good, are friends. good friends. You're very familiar. And then like, he'll walk through the bar a little later after he's like clearly not recognized him. And when he walks to the bar, Kincaid's at the table with the rest of the Rangers. These are between court cases, which is what's insane. But he walks to the bar, he walks up to Kincaid's like, hey, remember that 18th birthday party your father threw you? 
that was wild. It's a wild 18th birthday party your dad threw for you, huh? And he's like, uh-huh. And he just walks away. And it's just like <laughs> a weird throwaway scene, which will pay off later. Yeah. But it was just like, there's kind of these weird moments where they leave the courtroom after one, basically one person testifies. Every time one person testifies, they like have a break from the courtroom. Yeah, like it's, it's too hard. Luke, it's called a recess. It's true. It's a recess. And even even on this break, they'll see Isigal hanging out on the bar and he'll be like cracking wise. Yeah. And Boone will punch him in the face. And I was like, all right. Well, this is a mistrial now. Like he's going yeah. to jail. Like he's going to jail for assault. This must have been Isigal's plan all along. And Isigal's like, just he's like, I'm not gonna press charges. He loves it. I'm just like, you just like, uh, wild. You're the lead prosecutor. Just punched a man. In the face. Yeah. We do find out though that uh, Gracca's uh, lived for 300 years. That's true. I mean, that comes up now because Xylan mm. takes the stand. Yeah, he does. He because because Linda Hunt uh, was like, come on. He said, like, yeah, right. That's true. And he gets up there. and He's like, what happened? He's like, I have no idea. I don't. I don't remember anything. <laughs> I'm like, well, this is going great, you guys. Yeah. But yeah, we get a little Garak history lesson, though. Live 300 years, and if you want to be a priest, what do you have to do? I think it's it's 100 years to study for it. Study for 100 years, and then 100 years of missionary work. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And that's where he is right now, I guess. He's doing his missionary work. Oh, and this is the first time they've explained his powers. They actually call him an empath yeah, in this episode. He, he's a Deanna Troy. He's a Betazoid. Yeah, that's right. And Although, by the way, he's like half as effective as she is. And she's the least effective person of the Enterprise. Yeah. <laughs> I like that someone, they're like, well, tell us what everyone's feeling. He's like, uh, she's nervous. Yeah. He's mad. And he points at the prosecutor. He's like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm not sure. Well, and also when he was on the planet uh, earlier, like, you know, they, they have him there because he's supposed to like find oh, yeah, people. Find and then one point in the last episode, they land the planet and they're like, he's like, what, what do you sense? And he went, something evil happened here well i mean I on like, that planet his powers work <laughs> you know sporadically yeah temporarily i don't even remember yeah. the planet. <laughs> anyway um the other thing we learn is there's only five garakas and the rangers and they're all there because one person fought for them chenault she's a real champion of them mm-hmm. and now that you've told us all that information all that backstory time for a recess <laughs> yeah. who needs a break who we gotta yeah. hit this bar they literally yeah. go back to the bar <laughs> i know it's, the, it's one of the three sets they have, so. It's true. And uh, it's great because they go back to the bar and um, they're trying to figure out what's going on because like, they're basically like, hey, why, is, why did you bring up Chenault suddenly and how she introduced the Gracas into the thing? They're like, why is why is her name coming up in the trial? Like, they're like baffled, but like mm-hmm. clearly like, they, they've picked up on a seed of an idea here, like how this court case is changing. And as they're talking about this, Kincaid's like, yeah, that is weird. You know this is weird? I never had an 18th birthday party. (laughs) I'm like, you didn't think to mention that when he said it to you like four hours ago. He's just like, it was really weird when he kept talking about it to us because I don't remember having it. This is just, and so it's setting up this sort of that the lawyer isn't who he says he is, but it's just such a weird thing to throw in at the end of the episode. So what we find is we go back to court. I mean, I don't even know the order it happens. Well, that's it. What happens now is they're like, yeah, I think they go back to court. Chenault takes the stand. It's quite clear that um, Chenault is uh, being put on trial for allowing Gracas into the into the whatever Rangers, Rangers and stuff. They take another break and they're like, "Well, we really got to look into this Murdoch guy." Yeah, so they start hacking. Well, it's great. They, yeah, they hack the portal computers. Their security system is hilarious because they're like, "Okay, can you hack it?" And he's like, "No problem." As long as we're only in there for less than sixty seconds, it doesn't start doing any security work. That's right. Yeah. And they like in that 60 seconds, they find a picture of him from when he was a teenager and a picture of Murdoch from now. And they do a retinal scan. and It's different eyeballs. Mm-hmm. So they, they go back to court. They now know this has to be an imposter 
they're after Chenault. This is all a big setup to like yeah. disgrace. It's a huge chess game by Isigal. Isigal's like really playing against everybody. In fact, like we get a scene where we we actually see the two the lawyer and Isigal talking, and they're like, You're good, you're you're doing everything great there, lawyer. You're doing a great job. And he's like, And when this is all over, you're gonna run Fort Hope. And I'm just like, Is that what he wants? <laughs> like it was like that was her yeah. his promise to him. I'm just like, This is what is yeah. happening. But yeah, this final courtroom scene where they finally unveil the whole plan is great because you cut That's back right, to court yeah. and uh, Wise is like, well, um, it's time to give the verdict. Where's Boone? And he's like, I don't know. Doc's just like, I don't know. He should be here. I was just with him when we hacked the computer, so I don't know why he's yeah. late. And Wise is like, all right, well, uh, he's guilty. Case closed. Yeah. And then Boone runs and he's like, wait, I have evidence. <laughs> it's like, and he's like, oh, we said case closed. He's like, I have evidence. He goes, I'll allow it. Yeah, and his new evidence is that man's an imposter. <laughs> yeah, it's like that's unrelated to this case currently. But I know, yeah, so he goes, he's an imposter, and we know because his eyeballs don't match. Don't match. Then uh, what's the lawyer's name? Uh, Mur- Murdoch. Murdoch's like, um, I didn't want to bring this up because it's a sensitive issue, but I was in an accident, injured both my eyes, and I've had eyeball replacements. Yeah, eyeball replacements. Everybody knows about this crash. Yeah, and thanks for bringing it up. By the way, I'm very <laughs> sensitive with my eyes. And then Chanel stands up, and she's like, I remember that crash. Only women survived. <laughs> So he goes, oh, no, you caught me. But what he should have just said is, I also had a gender swap. I don't know. I mean, it did. Very easy. It was so weird. But yeah, like his lie is double uncovered now. Yeah. So he just like grabs a gun and just like like waving it around. And then he's like, my master will never let this happen. My master. And Isigal's also in the court. Yeah, he's in the court and and shoots him in the back. Just like guns the man down. And uh, he's just like. Do I get a prize? Yeah, he's like, isn't it great? I killed this uh, this horrible guy, and we didn't get to hear who his master was. <laughs> and Xylon uh, uh, Mission Impossible styles off the, the the lawyer's face, and underneath it's just another habobo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, then Isigal's arrested, and we cut to a bar, and they're all back at the bar again, celebrating success and joking about how Isigal's gonna get off because. They're not. You, yeah. They're not going to catch him. Like they're laughing about it. Like they think it's really funny. And then Boone gives uh, Zylan back his neck piece. What do you call it? Oh yeah. Well, and, and Zylan has a gift for Boone too. What was that? Zylan gives Boone his own suppressor yoke. Oh, that's right. Because he yeah. heard how he punched a guy at a bar, and he's got a rage problem. Yeah. And then they all kind of like just chuckle about it. Chuckle. And that's the show. And then the series ends forever. <laughs> not a second too soon. <laughs> I mean. What a crazy show, Jordan. It really, really was. What a crazy show. I'm going to uh, I'll give you, I want to go back to last week's episode because we were talking about that Vilan Prince and like where Courtney had asked who played this Vilan Prince. Mm-hmm. Cool. So I was like, I should go back and look just for Courtney at the very least. Not obviously a famous actor, but uh, for certain people, semi-famous. Have you ever seen Day of the Dead, the George Romero movie? I think I have a long time ago. In that movie, there is a zombie they're training to like become normal again. Mm-hmm. And he's he's not he's like he's kind of like training a monkey or something but he played bud that like core zombie in that movie and it's oh, i it's, can't remember it's a lot of face acting it's a lot of like working mm. through stuff so like and he's very good like that is like one of the highlights of that movie so i i mean i think that that guy was just very good at like playing weird roles like that right anyway i just wanted to make that little sub note before we finish this up here so jordan why don't we get into writings unless you have anything else you want to say first um, no, let's get into the ratings for this. I think we might have said everything we could possibly say. All right, Jordan. What do you want to give to be or not to be? I don't even need to uh, qualify it. Eight out of ten. 
<laughs> You're out of your mind. Um, <laughs> come, come on. They had Buddy Hackett playing Buddy Hackett. And but not playing uh, him well. Not playing, but like not even an episode of TV. Just like they just like threw like like hey, there's a space gun. Yeah, let's figure something out. It's just like I don't. I love that this show ended up getting made somehow. I I know you do too. It's a two. <laughs> hey, so that's a ten. That's a ten, <laughs> even ten. Yeah. Um, and then the final episode, the trial. I gave it a seven out of ten. Although I think, as we talked about, I don't like it as much. But I'm just gonna leave it as a seven out of ten. I will say it was a more coherent episode in some ways. Sort of. But not like a lot more coherent. It, so, tr- it tried to do a lot more this episode. I'm, I'm going to bump it up to... I'm going to bump it up to a three. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that means I should get the old Continuum Drag computer out and see what the final final uh, overall I, series I really here. threw the averages off on this one. You love the show. Yeah, it's just so fun and stupid. Uh, you know what? It, you know what I think part of it is too. In some ways, we've seen this show a million times because this show is just an amalgamation of every science fiction show. There's nothing original in this. But in another way, it's very original because nothing is this tone deaf and just lacks such quality control, and it just becomes a fun thing to watch. I mean, I think while I get this rating up, maybe we'll talk about this now. Because I was going to say, do we recommend this to people? And I feel like you think this is a so bad it's good show. Yeah. And I, it's not. I disagree wholeheartedly. So we're at a real, mm-hmm. we're at a real opposite ends here. So yeah. I have no idea whether anyone should watch this. Yeah. It depends on the person. Yeah. I think if I, honestly, I know some people that would watch this and just laugh and have a good time. You know how stupid it is. But you're right. Look, it's bad. And I, I would, I mean, I, thing, I think we all, we both agree yeah. it, on everything yeah except for the one point of whether it's so bad it's good (laughs) yeah i would be like i'm not surprised that you feel the way you are i mean like we've said it like there's very little to unpack in this unpacked in this show worlds and species are just mentioned trades are just like they aren't developed or given any time we barely learn anything about the characters in the world they inhabit and even like the design is just a mishmash of stuff it's like they made a tv show but all the details were annoying yeah yeah they just couldn't care less about them yeah well jordan the final series rating for the show Mm -hmm. space rangers is 5.38 oh i mean that's too high (laughs) (laughs) well i mean it's it's higher than some shows we've done i mean yeah it is higher and it it's crazy to me that it's that high (laughs) but i think i think what it is is there's just like for a certain personality it's gonna really like be a great time and for others, not, not, so, not much, so much. Not so much. But at any rate, I'm glad it was only six episodes. Me too. Well, me too. I think that was enough. Yeah, it was too many. <laughs> As it was canceled after one episode, everyone agreed. Aren't too you, many? Don't don't you want to know what happens to Isigal? Yeah. Where don't is, you want to see where's what ha- his other ear? Who knows? And and are they going to get those cause reports under control? Don't you want to know more? I can guarantee you, they're not. Never. What, what are the name of those birds that we saw in that one scene? <laughs> I I think they're probably called uh, Paros. <laughs> No, they're called arots. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jordan. Let's let's wrap this up then. Listener, if you want to email us about Space Rangers, we're here at continuumdrag at gmail.com. I'll definitely take an email about Space Rangers. Uh, Jordan would love to continue <laughs> talking about Space Rangers somewhat. I'm going to take a clothes hanger. I'm going to shove it up my nose and just <laughs> ripe it out of my memory. And on Instagram and Twitter, you will actually see the best of this yeah, show. Yeah, probably. Because... Uh, in some ways, it's the one place I will credit it. It's just like, 
it's going to make some weird little clips. It's, the show is viewed very favorably in five-second clips. Absolutely. Um, well, listener, thanks for joining us. And Jordan, uh, until next time, it's been uh, fun going to uh, Katraz with you. Yeah, it was. Katraz. So stupid. Continuum Drag is recorded in Toronto, Ontario. Theme music by James Rick Siedler. Produced by Jordan Delick and Luke Black. Special thanks to Aaron Younes, Adam Wheatner, Jeff Hanley, Jane McRae, and Stephen Packard.